caught it in your yeah. hand. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> caught them shit Beautiful. You can't see, but she used lasers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very high tech. Mm. We're back, people fuckers. Woo! We're back. Oh, we're back. We're back, people fuckers. Interesting. <laughs> bet you're all fucking people. <laughs> I bet you all are some fucking people out there, you monster rats. <laughs> <laughs> or is that the demo? Is this <laughs> As we're pouring our champagne, any updates, cool things to say as we start kick Uh, off the episode? I'm sweating. I had a spider bite on my face, which is why I have this. A spider bite? Are you going to turn into like Spider-Man? Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Honestly, if I turn into Tom Holland, I'll be fine. You can turn into Spider-Man, and Griffin can turn into a cat since he got bit. Fantastic! Yeah. And you guys can solve crimes together. Yes! Oh my god! Oh, that's or perfect. Commit crimes together. Ooh. I like that even better. I like that better too. Get Griffin I mean. on the phone. Let's see if he. I have like a Bonnie and Clyde scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call my agent. Call my agent. <laughs> Please call Ooh, my agent. Sick. Yeah. Everyone's right now. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> call my people. Call your people. Yeah. Mm. I'll have my monster ass call your monster ass. I'm setting the scene early. Let everyone know who's right wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Employ monster rats. Employ monster rats. Monster rat unions. Monster rat unions. Right. Colonies are labor. <laughs> who, who wants which one? I, I want that one. Want. Just kidding. <laughs> I'll take this one. I, oh, no, but you love this one, so I should have you. Oh, it's okay. I don't care. <laughs> I, I love all of the glasses. They're all my favorite. They're all my children. <laughs> I don't have favorites. Dude, I was making an account on something and it was like Ooh. for a security question. It was yummy. Wow. Oh, wow, it is. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Interesting. Yeah, weird. The, uh, security... <laughs> Josh hates it. Josh hates it. <laughs> the security question was like, what, what, name your favorite pet. And I'm like, you're going to make me pick? You fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up, man. Like, it's just like, what's your first pet? You know, like, not yeah, not even like, what's your favorite? Which pet? kid's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, imagine. Uh, the unlock code, it's a That'd be Jason. a great um, security question, though, because how many people would you be willing to admit that to? Like, what's your favorite kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, to be fair, my dad did tell me that I'm the favorite, so, like, whatever. His choice, not mine. Prod. My kids the other day told me that I was potentially their favorite nanny that they had ever had, and I was Ooh. like, "What do you mean potentially?" And they were like, "Well, there was this other girl," and I was just like, "Who is she? Where does she live?" Yes, I'll fight her. I'll fight her. I'm the best. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm the best. That's how, that's how my kids are. Is that they're just like. Well, our other nanny, she never played with us. You play with us. And I'm just like, yeah, I do. And then they'll like say something else. Like, well, we used to do this other really cool thing with Laura. And I'm like, fucking but- say her name again. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Say do it again. It. Do you I feel. Rub it in my face. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But then they're also like, but, like, oh my God, the eight-year-old stayed home the other day mm-hmm. from going to a movie with like the, the older kid and like the parents. Because she wanted to hang out with me and the like Aww. the younger kid. Also, it's because I made her a sick obstacle course the day before, course. and she wanted me to do another one. Right. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is the most love fun. an obstacle course. I've been trying to get my kids to do an obstacle Dude, course. Dude, I've been. <laughs> 
boxes. I, I put more time and energy boxes, into that pillows, fucking obstacle course than I have string, in anything in the past month. Literally and a half. Besides this obstacle. podcast, <laughs> most time and energy I've spent on anything. Yes, it was a sick ass obstacle course. Where I was like, all right, this is the helmet of valor. You have to wear it. This is the ball of redemption. I was like naming all this shit. Yes, it was so sick. No wonder she wanted to stay home and of play. Course. It was a good Why Anyway, um, fucking killed it. Therapy corner is oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can jump in. Let's jump right on in. Um, hi, crybabies. Hi, crybabies. Welcome back. You don't Welcome poop back. You do. Another you do. riveting episode. <laughs> We've got related. a doozy. Today. Oh yeah. Um, do we? This is probably one of my <laughs> favorite episodes or favorite uh, series to cover. Um, but first, we should introduce ourselves. I'm Hannah Le Petit Prince, and I will be your host today. Ow, ow! Yeah! Um, from the squealing corner, or the, <laughs> the squarea corner, <laughs> um, you have DJ Lucifer. <laughs> DJ. Yeah, I'm a DJ tonight. Oh my god, oh my god. Pumping out those sick tunes you won't even be able to hear, because we need to record clearly. But the struts in the seat. In the hot seat. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Let's <laughs> keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm MK. And I'm Olivia. Still don't have a nickname yet. Neither of us have a nickname. And I feel personally a little left out. But that's okay. I mean, it will it will come to us. Mine's I think the as butt we that struts. You'll find something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The name chooses the wielder. It's exactly. about the journey. It's like the wand it's chooses about the, the wizard. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. about that? It's not about the destination. But does MK qualify as a nickname? Because it's not my government name. It does, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like my name, so it's not like a nickname, but it's like, there's a, there's a level. Right. Back. It kind of sounds okay. like Nick. Nick. McCaw. McKay. No, actually, uh, there's this cafe I go to and someone always messes up my name and spells it M-K-A-Y. Lol. That's hilarious. Okay. Also, what I used to text a lot. Um... But yeah, that's, to... a, that's a conversation ender. Okay. 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 Hannah must be busy. Call <laughs> <laughs> agent. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to cover Shinseki Yori, also known as From the New World. MK is going to be helping in case I panic and cry in the corner because I don't know how to facilitate. <laughs> MK will be there uh, because we both actually picked From the New World. It's just my handwriting was the one that was bad. <laughs> we, we both we both put that into the bucket and uh, Hannah's was drawn. Bubba bucket. <laughs> I love the bucket. <laughs> um, so to get right in it, um, Shin Sekayori is based off of a novel by Yusuke Kishi. I really hope I pronounced that correct. Uh, let me know, <laughs> people of the airways. Email um, us, Instagram, our Facebook, listeners. straight to our YouTube. Hop into my DMs, let me know if I mispronounced a name. Um, it was adapted into a manga and aired October 2012 and was produced by A1 Pictures. Uh, so this was set a thousand years after the modern era, in quotations, um, and follows the story of Saki Watanabe, um, a young girl growing up, um, and it, it follows her from 
What age? 12, 12 to, to 26. Yeah. 12 to Which 26. Is crazy. Although you get flashbacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To younger ages, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so it follows her life in, you know, a utopian slash dystopian village um, set in the future, and you see everything that she goes through. This anime covers so much, so many different themes, um, and is one of... What did I do? Nothing. What did nothing. I do? When you said dystopia, I thought you said cystopia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cystopian show. It's a cystopian show. Oh no! It definitely is. But not it definitely us. is not no, though. It isn't this is us. <laughs> cystopian drama. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, I oh, definitely fuck. only found out about this anime because I was googling queer anime to watch. Um, and when I first watched it, I was like, this isn't gay at all. She's totally <laughs> just has a crush on Shun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, one episode, like 12 uh, or something. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. When super they, gay for one episode. They just hit adolescence. It's like, oh, they're teens now. Oh. Oh, it's so sick. Definitely risque. Everyone's um, snuggling. I was a fan. Yeah. But I think we could just start with a go around um, right now before we dive into some of the other themes of what was your first impression of the anime like and what character do you resonate with? So you want to start? But that struts? Strutting on. Um, so I, the first impression, so uh, this show was, the show was watched last, in the last house we lived in a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would kind of casually like watch it sometimes like glance and it my first impression was that it felt cumbersome like there was a lot going on and it see I thought the show was a lot longer than it was it seemed so dense that it was like I thought it was like 40 something episodes and it was only like 20 something but um, so my first impression was that it was going to be really long but it ended up going so fast because once you hit a certain like point and it really picks up you're like oh shit like the, I think like the last five episodes were really it was really hard to not watch them in one sitting mm-hmm. um I also didn't expect it to be as as horror and ambient as it would yeah. be mm-hmm. also really cool um I think the ca- I don't have, have a character that I necessarily identify with the character that just like made me the most like uh I the, the character that I reacted to the most was Mamoru for some oh, reason, yeah. that character, they made me so fucking mad. Dude, <laughs> they, okay, they same, wait, <laughs> same, and also, this is maybe some huge self-deprecation, because I wrote down in my answer to this question, of like, what was the character name I identify with, and I was like, honestly, probably him, I'm a little bitch sometimes, like, <laughs> made me so angry, too. Yeah, and like, I, I don't know what it is, necessarily, but they just made me, like, so, like, like, mad it's like you want to just be like grab him by the collar like get your shit together and it might even be like that sub subconsciously that there's probably like i identify with parts of mamaru and i'm like well fuck that guy that's what i'm saying them like they you know they're like i don't know i just had this thing where with them i'm like you little bitch ass but i'm like no but you're cool but you're a bitch ass but you're cool but for for context josh always has a character in one show that he calls a bitch ass no matter what so there has to be (laughs) (laughs) to be fair he definitely 
definitely takes the cake for this one. He was definitely. So. Definitely... Honestly, new segment on our show, Josh's bitch-ass character. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my my bitch-ass picks. Yes, your yes. bitch-ass picks. Yeah, love it. I think that would be my bitch-ass pick for mm. this one, mm-hmm. Harmon and Attack on Titan. I know they're not. I know they're not. You haven't even watched it. Yeah. You can't say that. I know. That bowl cut. <laughs> you have no clue. That, 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 that bowl cut, though. Bowl cut. Yeah. Anyway, I think I think that's me, right? All right. I'm done. That's it. That's What's the what, what was the first part of this question besides? Uh, the first part oh, was first what impression. was your first impression? Um, um, I my first impression as I started it was I was not expecting it to be as spooky, spooky, mm, scary, mm-hmm. and then I had like a small echo in the back of my brain as I was watching it one of us said oh and this is very fitting for the Halloween season and I was like oh okay and I don't know which one of us said it but I was like I understand now and so as soon as I started watching I I really appreciated the like sneaky like rapid heartbeat moments that it made me feel a lot of the time um was not really expecting that but my first impression overall is like it also was so much more than I thought from the beginning because of course you learn more and more each episode but from the beginning of the first episode or when I was watching the first couple towards the end like we said I mean so much shit happens that I was just I felt like I'd gone through a rabbit hole like I said where I'm telling people I'm like you don't understand and this happened and then the fucking monster rats and this thing and this thing and everyone's like what I don't know what that means but uh yeah I think the cool horror-esque and and also um weirdly like spiritual connection with like the world the people like the setting the spirituality of it also is something that definitely stood out to me and I guess I can second Josh's comment on I wrote down um Mamoru as one of the characters I'm like maybe I identify with you but also because I also got very annoyed by you because you're being a baby but I'm also like (laughs) damn probably because I'm a baby but also maybe Maria too because there's a part of me watching it when she like decides she's like you know I really want to be with you Saki but like I'm gonna choose to be because it like it means she can get away Mm -hmm. in a way and I think if it comes to fight or flight I'm definitely more of a flight in certain scenarios and if I was in this scenario I think I would be flight all the way and so a part of me kind of definitely felt that a little bit with her which actually she was the only one that flew literally yeah Yeah, literally (laughs) but um (laughs) just saying well and as a direct response I mean I personally felt like Maria wasn't just choosing to flee I think Mm -hmm. she was choosing to protect her friends yes exactly I I liked fleeing with a purpose like it wasn't just fleeing to get away from all of her problems but it was like this it was the logical thing that would help everyone and her willingness to do so I think solidified her character for me um uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then the podcast will go faster. Um. <laughs> Just sound like the Wall Street like, stock exchange. <laughs> oh um, so I, uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember if you watched it first or if I watched it first, Hannah. But I, I think we watched it together. Not initially, though. I feel like the first couple of episodes were separate, and then we like linked oh, up. I think I 
that was the time when I had to travel to Chicago. Yeah. So I think I started it in Philly and then left. Okay, so the opposite. We started together and then watched separate. Yeah. So I, I know that, like, going into it, I didn't have much idea of what it was going to be at all. I, like, I don't know. The cover looked cute. Like, it had some promise of, of queerness in the lists, and it was just... Um, I don't know, I liked the character designs, uh, and actually, I think one of my favorite things about that show is the costume design in it. Mm-hmm. It's so spot on, good, and i so I've been practicing sewing, and one day I, I want to try to make some of those outfits for sure, but, um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I don't think I had much of an idea of what I was getting into, but I... The first couple episodes were kind of slow, but I, I they were charming and interesting, and mm-hmm. I was kind of like, "There's this is coming off as cute with some serious dark undertones. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's see where it goes. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of it, I basically binge-watched. Um, and then, because uh, I think, what, it was 2016 when we watched it? So we were just like a couple, e- yeah. a couple of years behind. Um, and as for the character... I identify with most or I, I think the Minishiro because I also <laughs> you know I'm sparkly and I yeah. and, and, and I like uh, I know a lot of things and will talk to someone until they get scared about the things <laughs> oh, I'm telling yeah. them about so if I could carry around a tiny portable MK in my backpack I absolutely 100% in a heartbeat mm-hmm. yes so yes. yeah <laughs> um okay so for me this show, I'm just like, I, I'm shook in every like single sense <laughs> of the word, like every single like sound of every letter, like I am a shook. Um, I, I think this show has everything. I think it has like I think it has fantasy. This I think show has, has everything. everything. <laughs> um, it has fantasy. It has great fashion. There's beautiful shit going on with the mm. whatever. Um, there's like beautiful stuff going on with the with the storytelling and how it's presented. I really like how when they're younger, everything's like very round and very colorful, and then when they're teenagers, all of a sudden the lines get sharper and like not only do the characters become like more defined in their character literally. art, but like yeah. the drawing style literally becomes sharper. Things have like much more of like. A point to them there's thinner lines like bordering what is an object versus the background mm-hmm. like so I think that was like a really cool way especially with the time gaps that were happening yeah, you know every time they did a time jump there would also be a slight change in artistry um there's a love triangle like I, like sorry I'm a little bitch I just I love a love triangle like love also romance. a legit yeah, love true. triangle which people try to say love triangle no you mean a, a love square yeah no, like, this is a legit love triangle exactly which I like, appreciate we're pentagon there's yeah oh, kind but of but also oh my everyone gosh. loves everybody everyone just kind of loves so everybody it's a polygon good. yeah it's a polygon she's poly it's a love polygon she's poly it's a love polygon um and we we stan it. I'm I'm here for it, stain. or we stain it, um, <laughs> you know, depending on yeah. which uh, you camp are. you fall in. Um, <laughs> and I like 
I I just found so much to love about this show. You know, it kind of like it's the kind of show where you watch it and you wish it was a video game because you want to interact with the world oh, so much totally. more. You know, like you want to be, you want to talk to every like I want NPC. An open world explorer. Exactly. <laughs> like I want to cross the spiritual barrier myself and like you know like go for it. Yeah, th- like I think there's something to be said about like wanting to interact with all the characters, but then also just it's a lot of the show is also explaining the world yeah so like obviously we have characters that we're drawn to that we like but like the actual plot of the show is so huge and big and there's this entire world building and like you have to understand as the viewer what the components of that world is and there's so many different elements to it and that you're learning constantly that it would be make an amazing video game because there's so much shit. There's so much shit. Wait, dungeon level in Tokyo. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That would be so intense. It'd be scary. I'd be, I'd be crying. I would be like, it's like that, like, like jump scare video game where it's just like there's not actual monsters. Oh my god. Also, those like little little bug things that are like the darkness shadow. Yeah, like the slimy stuff that drops. Oh, dude. Uh uh. I'm not a fan any of that. Also, well, freaking. Okay, why am I forgetting? Kiromaru, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Fucking covering himself and in fucking bat, bat shit. Yeah. I was like, yeah. go off. Go dude. off, Kiromaru. I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, you're fucking committed. Yeah. Uh, honestly, you know what? I'm going to toss it in. That's something that I actually really love. Every single yeah. time he yeah. comes on screen, I was like, I, know. I love him. I'm so into Kiromaru. Love him. Yeah. Do you know how expensive that batshit is outside of Tokyo? Yeah, hello. <laughs> you forget it while you're there. You know? Well, really because expensive. not many people go there either, I so know. it's Isn't like... It's supposed it's to be insane. an ingredient in mascara. Wasn't that rumor going around like a long time ago that batshit is in mascara? That definitely was a rumor. I, yeah. I don't think that's true. But yeah. I don't think it was a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I also would... think it's interesting that Kitamaru, like looks more attractive or yeah. more well, he's a silver fox he like oh he's a daddy actually, yo he is daddy. a daddy he's a daddy. He's a daddy I will say that also raised a question that I don't know what I, okay so I know that he he is a he's monster. a monster yeah, yeah. but also I'm what I'm curious what's the defining like how how does he look like that and not like Mm-hmm. any of the other ones like why is he so colony. distinguished he looks like or... a wolf and he has a howl so right. I'm wondering like is he and I I, it just made me wonder like once you find out I mean the very final episode mm-hmm. just about you know the origin of all of the monsterettes mm-hmm. and like whatever I, why, why does he look the way that he does or why does he have more like wolfy elements than there were some that looked a little more human that was revealed when they launched the attack on um Kamasu 66 yeah, the, the town yeah. that, that because they were the ones that were disguised as humans mm-hmm. to get through so mm-hmm. I think there's just like there's sort of like your general generic monster rat um or queer rat as like I think it is in the novel yes. <laughs> but um uh, they I, I don't know um, but I think that the sort of like if, if it's a genetic thing, I don't know. Obviously, some shit's been fucked with. Yeah. But um, there definitely is some variance, but there's also just your run in the mill monster at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That I was think... like my one big question that I wanted to ask. Yeah. Her, but I think I that's one of the things that makes the show so like 
like engrossing, right? Is that like that's why you want to interact? Like you're you're like it's one of those shows where you're like, oh, I want to create theory videos about like what's going on in the background of this show, oh, totally. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and You're making a theory podcast, bitch. Yes. <laughs> um, as far as characters. Shit, like, who did I not feel? Who did I not want to feel up, honestly? Yo, honestly. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just saying, okay, when I, <clears throat> when I was a young warthog, um, I really, the characters that really, like, stood out to me, Mamoru stood out because I know we're all having feelings about Mamoru, but honestly, so Mamoru initially stood out not just because of, like, the character traits that Mamoru has, but also because the name Mamoru, and, like, this happens a lot in, like, art, or especially, I mean, in anime, like, names, like, carry such, like, a... You don't only name a character to name a character, but the name also has characteristics of what that person is going to act like, who they are. Like, it's a theme, right? Like, their name is kind of, like, a theme to the character. Um... Another character in anime named Mamoru is Tuxedo Mask. So I was just like really like immediately like, Mamoru, I'm going to be looking at you this entire show. I want to see that. And in the end, even though he's like such like a crybaby, honestly, he does have like a lot of feelings, uh, like a lot of earthy feelings. Oh, definitely. Of wanting to stay together, wanting to build a solid family, wanting to like find a foundation. And so... I think there was a lot of, like, his character where I was just like, okay, you're, you're like, the crybaby, but I guess in the sense, like, I'm kind of Maria in that sense. Like, I want to take care of you. Exactly. I want to make sure you thrive. Crybaby you know? with you a reason. Be? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, there's one point where, I mean, I guess if we're looking about how Maria, like, you know, it was a, va- a valiant thing to do to say, I'm going to stay with him mm-hmm. and do this. But, like, also on him, I guess, if anything, he's the one that really fled. But in he, same thing, he fled with a purpose. He was like, they're after me. I'm not only protecting yeah. myself, I'm protecting everyone else in the group. Yeah. Um, and everyone, remember to raise hands so we don't cut each other off. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're good. Um, I, yeah, no, I agree with that about Mamanur. Um And I actually love his character. I kind of viewed him as someone that you, we saw... That was more like the other villagers. Yeah. Um, that are that remain unnamed. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was an important element that he brought to the group. But also it I forget exactly who it was. Maybe it was Tomiko or someone on the ethics committee even brought up um that, you know, Mamadou even the it was brave that he even crossed the border mm-hmm. yeah. himself. Um, and that's something that normal villagers wouldn't do. So he definitely was impacted by the larger group. Um, and it was a bold move of him. Uh, Luce? I think um, I think one of the things that I liked so much about his character is not only the fact that he is that kind of bridgeway where like, oh, this is how you can see like this like this experiment that they're literally running on this young group of children and like seeing where the outliers are and how they can talk about the society at large just out of this small group of children, right? Which is something that um, Tomiko talks about at, in the later stage of the show where she's like, no, we, we performed an experiment on your group yeah, they, specifically. They were the only ones mm-hmm. that didn't receive hypnosis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think in some interesting ways you see 
with Satoru the like the na- like the negative side effects of what this process has been mm-hmm. because like he's at a point and there's multiple times where his character like start he starts to have like a psychological break like he can't hold his identity together anymore because there's these triggering memories that are locked away from him right and as they're being awoken he's like this is too much to handle like I can't do that but it's very parallel to someone experiencing like literally like a a break in their psyche a break in who they are as like a mental being you know there's like the eye twitching when like someone's reference that they don't remember it's like something they'll say something and they'll just kind of do like a like deep like what uh and then just be kind of confused and foggy like I mean, it's kind of just like repressed memories from trauma. Like, it's like, even if it's not on surface, it's still down there and it's still affecting you. This is more of a question than a comment. Because they mentioned how, like, they have these repressed memories. But they, it, the way it seemed to me when I was watching it, that it wasn't them that were just repressing the memories. Like, Mm -hmm. other outside forces were, like, you Mm -hmm. know, their community were. Is it ever explained how they were able to do that? Not the how, but the ethics committee basically, like, wiped their memory or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I I was wondering about that, because I knew it was them, and I'm like, I maybe because you're not supposed to see it you know kind of thing and you're supposed to be following with the characters along of how they're remembering things and how they you know find out about things but I was wondering about like how would they do that legalized pot (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna uh, go into my first impression of the anime and it it kind of relates to that a little bit Um, is, is one I think that when I first saw the show, similar to MK, I was like, this is super cute, and, um, you know, like, what's going on? This looks pretty <laughs> Where's <dense."> the gay <laughs> shit? Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but then, yeah, and then it slaps me within, like, episode 12 or whatever. Yeah. But, but I, I also <gasps> have to say how Hot. it switches from, uh, in, in all of the story arcs, it'll switch to horror mode so fast. Yeah. And they also do play into the plot so well that it doesn't outright tell you that, that their memories were erased. And there were points in the show where I'm kind of confused. And I realized it's because, no, they did a time jump and the characters themselves have to figure it out. Um, and you're kind of figuring it out with them. And that's why the first half of the show really is like pretty trippy and yeah I mean you were even mentioning the colors but I think it was really like okay well what are with these time jumps what is reality like what is really happening and then you know it it just keeps revealing more about its own world throughout the show and even just slams you with you know that plot twist right at the end of the show and I think that that to me is, is what stood out is how many themes it could cover um, from othering to imagination to so many different, to memory, to so many different themes. Um, my favorite character definitely has to go to Squila. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, he's, he's, I, you know, you could call him the villain of the series. You could call him the anti-hero. You could call him the hero of the show. I think all of those actually fit because he is just so complicated. You just know that he is antagonistic to the main characters, necessarily so. But I, I think he is so complicated as a character. Um, and and to me, I just think that was so unique and it's not something you see in every anime. Um 
Yeah, Josh. I think that is what mm-hmm. makes it very compelling as a story to tell, and especially him as a character because I mean, you know, you read novels and you know that there's an unreliable narrator and you, you are know that you are not you know that you're not supposed to believe everything that narrator is telling you. And in this case, it really I mean, it was one of the, it's one of those things where at the very end you're really slapped with it, but before that, way before that, you have it in your brain, you know, okay, well who who are these like basically like little minions that they have and that is it so bad that and, and this is something that he says in the final episode of like, is it so bad to want to have bettered ourselves? Like we are the exact same as like we are just as highly intelligent, like they just may not have the powers and it's it's one of the yeah it's it's like you have this character that is starting a rebellion that is trying to go up against they are the villains in in their mind and as you're watching it it does make you question well who really is the villain because you know you have these characters like Saki and Satoru and Shun and all these people that you're like they were not villains they were just in this in their own way in their own oppressive society but they the monsters are just as oppressed in different ways but you you are pulling for both sides i think that's how i felt because it was so strange because on the one hand from the beginning thinking like yeah like fuck that but then i'm also like they are like slaves to these mm-hmm. people and that's bad and <laughs> we don't like that and like if they're highly intelligent but then they also do other fucked up shit like the queen was, like, restrained and lobotomized and, like, all this other shit where, where it's, like, you know, at the end, his, his uh, when he was explaining when, you know, Saki's like, I want to know why, like, why did you do this? He's like, this was a part of our plan. There was no other way, like, to the revolution. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to do this to our queen. Like, we had, if there was no other way to accomplish this, they had to do that. So it's so weird because it's, 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 like, almost, I want to say it reminds me of, like, like a Machiavellian, Machiavellian kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like it really makes you question. Well, really, who is a villain? What is right? It is if that was the only way to revolution, is that okay? Um, yeah, and I, I actually I think that even gets into the theme of the show, which is very largely who is the enemy and who can you trust. And I think the show does a really good job multiple times with characters revealing things to Saki, and she has to choose who to trust mm-hmm. and how to go about things. And you're constantly wondering. Well, whose side are, are, you know, when they're younger, whose side are the monster ass on? Or, you know, what side am I on? As a viewer, even, it switches to that. Um, I think to, to speak to both what Olivia was saying and Hannah was saying, um, I think there's something really interesting, number one, that comes down to um, Squira's, like, idea of, like, where did he get this idea that they were just equal to humans, right? Because there's always, like, the stuff going on in the background, and you know that the Monsterettes, to a certain degree, either, like, they've captured, they've either captured a, um, a Minoshiro, or, like, they've gained access to forbidden knowledge, quote-unquote, right? And so there's this way in which you're kind of like, okay, so is this, like, is this something that you've just 
jumped to because you realized like yes you are just as intelligent as humans or did you actually find the truth and even we as viewers because we're supposed to experience everything in the show as the characters themselves are experiencing it are we as viewers supposed to question you even further for how you attained that knowledge even though it's correct and then in the end i think to then transition that kind of hand into what you were speaking about i think the question of who the enemy is i really think the only one out of this generation of characters right because this is social control on a level that's been going on for generations i think the only person who might even have a hint at who to call an enemy is tomiko because she's, she's the only one that's been alive for multiple centuries. 200-some years old. <laughs> exactly. So even though this takes place a thousand years into the future from the modern era, we as a timeline know, okay, show takes place a thousand years from right now. Somewhere within those thousand years, people like noticed they had latent psychic abilities. People started experiencing the side effects of that, like the negative side effects, like becoming ogres and um, karmonic demons, right? Um, start killing people all of a sudden mass like social outbreak of like what's going on all of this happening you have people with psychic abilities fighting people not with psychic abilities the people with PK all of a sudden realize oh we need to gain control again wipe out civilization somehow there's a war whatever the only one who's close enough age wise to even know what is knowledge, what is forbidden, what is memory, what is whatever, who might even have some aspect of control over that is Tomiko as the person who's been living the longest and also ha has been the heads, head of the ethics community for a good portion of that time. She's also the only one who's seen an ogre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Actually seen an ogre yeah. versus just hearing it from the story or the school. Yeah. I mean, like, in some ways you could say that, like, the, 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 the true villain of the show is human nature. <laughs> because everyone in the show is human. Yeah. yeah. On mm -hmm. every layer. And, like, the, the death of shame is, like, testament to how deeply socialized their othering is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there are certain humans that you can kill and there are certain humans that you can't. Yeah, and like it's so woven into their fabric that they don't question it, and especially uh, with how many years the show's layered on with, and like the sort of ways that they get under people's uh, skin with like the whatever memory tactics that they have that they like, manipulate people's like thoughts and stuff. But uh, I mean, maybe it's in the food, but uh, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just it's the sort of thing that like I think just uh, yeah, like Tomiko has been there and seen all of these. She's probably seen a lot of changes and probably been directly involved in initiating a lot of changes. And, like, it's the sort of thing, like, like they're doing it for the good, but the good is tied to in us. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I think, like, you, you as the viewer, you're obviously starting from the vantage point of Kamasu 6, but, like, or 66, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, like, you start to question what us is, which I think is in the zeitgeist big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's, it's funny because throughout the whole show, the monster rats refer to the humans, or like the humans that look like us, um, as uh, kami-sama or like gods. Mm -hmm. They So whether or not Squira or any of the other monster rats have had access to a, fa a false munishiro or have had found books or whatever knowledge they may or may not have, wouldn't it be just natural for 
them to take the mantle of humanity because mm-hmm. it's like if they're seeing humans as gods then they are what's right below gods because they're intelligent they're sentient they're smart like they are capable of forming these communities so it's like they are what we are essentially well i always took it i don't think it's as much of a question of when did squila know that he was equal i think he always knew Mm -hmm. and it's the same way that it's you know i think it became a theme at one point they referenced there was a question of what is false loyalty and Mm -hmm. someone asked that of sake and i think it's precisely because you know they called the humans or gods uh like reapers behind their backs Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot that they imply that isn't shown um but yeah, I mean, I think that they were an oppressed group. And Squeela knew not only he was like, we're being oppressed not just from a queen and this system that, right, like we praise that. Was set that. up for us. Yeah, which was set up for us. And we praise that in like the US of saying, like, yes, we rebelled and have re- revolutions against like unjust leaders and of queens. And now we have democracy. Um, and yet that was seen as like a direct threat. Like a bad thing yeah, when, when they developed democracy. When they developed a democracy for themselves because all of a sudden that became a threat to their own power. And I think them, it's such a powerful reveal because I I found myself in the, in the first show, like I, I definitely side with, with Saki in a way. I'm like, I want them to live because the show just does such a good job at that. But I think by my second viewing of the show, I was more so sad that the Monster Rats didn't win. Uh, <laughs> and that's just my take. Um, because they were they were rebelling against both the Queen and, and just oppression. And it was, to me, it's such a great allegory to like a physical manifestation of what othering is um, in a world that their imagination is power. Though I do think that into the future, if Saki does like become mm-hmm. um, a high up person in the society because of the fact that she wasn't like hypnotized or whatever from a young age and she's a free thinker and she experienced all this stuff and she empathized with the monster rats and she had all these experiences outside the spiritual barrier with them and whatever else, that ideally the ending you kind of like think and hope that society is going to go in a better direction, especially with the revelation that the monster rats are genetically essentially human Mm -hmm. but that's i guess an optimistic view i think that's that's i'm but that's also kind of like the sense that i got at the end because we already know that saki's on this journey to basically become the next like leader of the ethics community and by extension of society right and i think because of the knowledge that she has and even carries with her from a very young age like she's so like empathetic and loving right mm-hmm. that she saves this monster rat from drowning in its own net right like and then that monster rat comes back in their future to be like squonk yeah squonk yeah. squonk was just like 
listen, bitch, like, you saved me. Of I'll course I'm going to save you. Like, yeah. what? Like, you know? And I think in a lot of ways, like, I hope kind of at the end, like, that's kind of what they're talking about of maybe we could lead into a better future is that the idea is that the monsterettes will finally, like, be seen as human again. I would hope. Mm-hmm. And something that is mentioned is more so early on in the series about how Saki is strong. Like, mm-hmm. everyone keeps talking about how her characters say, like, she is strong, and Maria talks about, like, it's not that you aren't empathetic, it's, like, that you are so empathetic and compassionate, and yet you were able to hold all of this weight and then do something with it, which I think is... Take action. Probably, exactly, which probably why Tamiko was like, you gotta take my spot over, girl. Like, but, and so I think so, too, is, like, we can only hope that in the future, and, like, you know, she's even working with the monster that's like, that exactly. is her job later in life, is that, like, she is up and close, and she's reading all the records, and something that you said that reminded me is in the final episode she was like comparing the kanji to other things and saying mm-hmm. this just means changed human and so we th- but they turned them into monsters like they decided to make them beasts to make them the other mm-hmm. and so it's so strange how like they are they had grown up and even though they were the experiment that wasn't hypnotized that were more or less left as free thinkers they were still in their own oppressive society that's even more more broadly oppressive towards monsterettes or just other humans and it mentions that they were just the humans without powers right to make those with powers keep their own high status and to make them gods so like just to what you said they essentially are the human like if you know greek gods and stuff like they are the the humans they just don't have as they're evolving exactly exactly I think, I mean, I think this speaks a lot to kind of what the show kind of like in the background is saying, like, human nature, y'all, you gotta question it, right? Because there's a this whole, like, the death of, like, the death of shame, like, you literally had to make a monster out of other humans in order to be able to control them because you had this latent thing, like, programmed into you where you couldn't attack another human being Unless they weren't human. Yep. So you had to other them to the point where you could like actually kill them. Making them them. monsters, like mutating them. Yeah, like physically. Yeah, physically. And I think there's a lot of ways that we already do that. Like, that's already true in our society now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think this just leads me to, so when, this the summer camp episode where they find the, you know, quote, false Minishiro and gain all the information they weren't supposed to hear and they learn about how their society was um, based upon bonobos and how bonobos exist in society and I'm so excited to talk about this because <laughs> I used to have this entire this this series made me question a spiel that I had in my head for like a long time and the spiel was like you know we bonobos and chimps are the closest to us um, just genetically um, of any other like ape um, out there and we discovered chimps first like we we discovered the chimp first that oh this is our closest cousin basically and if you look at every if you look at the literature the art everything surrounding that after we found that out there's a lot of you know humans are innately aggressive and bad and there was an entire there was an entire like boom uh, just specifically I'm thinking of like with literature and art that that mm. happened because of that discovery and my whole spiel was if we had discovered the bonobos first I think we mm. would have had a completely different 
arc of history of how we perceived human nature and we would have a completely different we would we would have like in art history or whatever we would be studying completely different paintings because of this discovery and so the fact that they were based on bonobos that is it's also a matriarchal society which is funny because Tomiko is the basically mm. head bitch mm-hmm. yeah. she's the queen she's the queen and then you have queens that are the mothers that birth all the rest like it is a matriarchal society and there's also they do they solve conflict well and i think like one and that that's a good example of like our it, it, like how you're talking about how it impacted art and history and how we were presuming presuming and, and imagining what humanity is and where humanity came from mm-hmm. um I, that that's a major theme of the show is how are we imagining ourselves how are we imagining the other and like inventing these realities um and to me it right like I think a good quote from it comes from Shun where he's talking about how Tokyo we yeah, can't speak his name we can't speak his <laughs> we name, can't speak his name. <laughs> how Tokyo became what it is and the hell that it is and I think this line was the majority of people living in Japan uh, imagine Tokyo to be hell itself. Whenever someone thinks of Tokyo, their leaking power increasingly alters this place to true hell. Um, and I think that's like we have a responsibility to our imagination and what we imagine and how we perceive in the world. And I actually think like that's why the show matters so much to me is I think I've been thinking a lot about from Murakami books, from watching this anime, um, the responsibility we hold to our imagination. And I brought a quote I wanted to read from a book on imagination. Um, So this quote comes from a book called Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown, um, who writes a lot about imagination and our responsibility that comes with it, much like Spider-Man, where there's power. There's great responsibility. responsibility. (laughs) Um, So I really just thought, um, because I've been thinking so much about imagination, both in how I imagine myself, how I imagine myself in relation to other people, the quality in which I'm I'm viewing and, and understanding the people I'm around as well, all involves imagination and and all involves I think the opportunity to to really create and unite as opposed to destroy another. Um, But here's uh, Adrian's writing. We embody, we learn, we release the idea of failure because it's all data, but first we imagine. We are in an imagination battle. Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and Renisha McBride and so many others are dead because in some white imagination, they were dangerous. And that imagination is so respected that those who kill based on an imagined racialized fear of black people are rarely held accountable. Imagination has people thinking they can go from being poor to a millionaire as part of a shared American dream. Imagination turns brown bombers into terrorists and white bombers into mentally ill victims. Imagination gives us, uh, imagination gives us borders, gives us superiority, gives us race as an indicator of capability. I often feel I am trapped inside someone else's imagination, and I must engage my own imagination in order to break free. End quote. That's beautiful. Can I look at that, actually? Absolutely. Um, And I I think that 
it 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 really just struck me that we were rewatching uh, Shinseki Yori at the same time that I started reading Emergent Strategies, um, and just the complete connection that both this series and this book is making between how we envision our futures and and the positive it can create and also the destructive element at the same time. And I think Shinseki Yori really ends on this kind of positive, imaginative note. Um, but really, I think in a lot of ways is, is holding us accountable to our own imaginations and what that is capable of. Um, yeah, I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the uh, sexy boy who must not be named. Mm-hmm. Um, axe. <laughs> yeah, Axe. <laughs> it's my Axe. It's my Axe. Uh, <laughs> they're all my Axes. <laughs> sexy boys who must not be named. <laughs> <laughs> Separate podcast. It's been on. <laughs> um, you can find it at. But, like, uh, with that character, it's like, the, they're, like, y- you know, uh, to be able to use imagination as a metaphor for their psychic power, like, when your imagination spins out of control, you're consumed. And so, like, with, with Shun, like, the uh, like the imagination can spin out of control and, and create, and, like, that's, um, like, the imagination is an entry point into the group and an exit point. And, like, that not only is it policing, like, whether or not you have this ability, but it's, like, the degree to which it's used and, like, where it's directed. And, like, if it's, you know, even if you have that power, if it seems like it's going to break the norm of their society that they've built, then you are, you have become othered and kicked out. And whether it's, like, they force them to do it to themselves, like, when they give them the pills. Mm-hmm. Or if, or if it's, like, we're going to send the impure cat after you to, like, take you out. But, like, either way, like, like the, like, the, the, the imagination, like, and that, and that access to power, like, the agency is your entry and exit, depending on how you want to use it. Um, yeah, I think that was one of the, like, beautiful, I guess, like, parallels or, like, um, fucking allegories of like what the karmic demon is right is that this is like this is a karmic demon as someone who like their their psychic bleed through right is gotten to the point where they can't control it and it's just affecting the environment like literally infecting the environment around them right um to the point where like they no longer have control over it and it is like it, it like they succumb under the weight of everything that they've built but it also being built upon them and i think that was i one of the things about the idea of what a karmic demon is and and in of of itself is like another way to otherize except not fully to the extent in their society where you could like completely disengage from this person but served in order to just fully otherize somebody else we're talking about imagination right like this is this is what happens when ideas spin out of control when they become radicalized to one extent or another um in another sense i think that's also why there's this kind of like I personally found that there was a, a mistrust in the flashbacks that we were being fed 
um, in the show that, you know, like, every once in a while, and especially, like, way closer to the end of the show where, like, Saki's, like, remembering all of these, like, one-off interactions that she's had with, like, these different people. Um, memories of Maria, memories that she's starting to get back of of Shun. Um, <laughs> and, like, all of these, like, other things, right? Like, you kind of question, you're like, well, if you've been, like, if you've been hypnotized or if your memories have been manipulated to one way, one extent or another, like, we as viewers are being like fed these flashbacks and they're being fed to us at moments that are very very like key to the moment in which those memories would affect Saki's decision one way or another right and so I feel like there's kind of like a mistrust in those memories not only because you're questioning how much of them is re is real but you're also questioning have they been altered in any sort of way right and then whose imagination is being like is infringing upon the imagination of another um and I <laughs> like well, the yeah. guy from group two you? yeah like, you're just gonna say like you haven't been here you haven't been he's here. like remember when we went to camp and then he's like i don't remember any details and yeah and him. he has the eye twitch and you're like yeah bitch yeah bitch. exactly there exactly i think i was i think i was watching um and then this then like it ties into like a lot of the times of like how the monster rats are treated right and even though like we now know that they are just humans that have been mutated for the sake of social control right um that there i think i was watching like the good place or something and there was this <laughs> one fantastic show um not only were they oddly enough talking about like determinism in the episode that i was watching but there was a very like important quote that just really stood out to me which is you can't project your ethics onto a creature outside of yourself like you cannot project the ethics of humanity onto a cat you cannot project the ethics of humanity onto a dog you can't expect that other to act in a way that is relevant to your ethics. And so I find a lot of the social control that humans then put upon monster rats, not only like hiding a key truth that monster rats are actually just mutated humans, right? But that they're then also trying to project their own society as a form of social control, their imagination of what humanity should be onto these humans who are already otherized, they no longer see themselves as, like they know that they're not viewed as humans, but they're trying to like lay their claim, their stake in humanity, where they're just like, okay, well we're humans, but we're also gonna act by different ethics because we've also been otherized. Mm. And if you refuse to see us as humans, well, we're not going to act as the humans that you know because we're a different breed of human. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because I, I, I think they're both coming up in different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I actually think it was Satsuru who has one of the more important quotes in the yeah. series where he tells, and this actually, you know, was a hint really to the viewer, but Satsuru tells Saki what scares him about the monster rats are how human he thinks that they are. Or they're yeah. trying to be, mm -hmm. take the place of humans and like what humans used to be before this modern society. Right, yeah. which, you know, in that, in and of itself, because they're both humans, it's like they're trying to take our place as oppressors and that's what they're so afraid of, mm -hmm. right? Which is 
something you don't, as a viewer, really understand. Wait, cis men in America? Cistopia. Cistopia. Can that be this episode's tagline? It's from the new, new world, colon, cistopia. Hashtag cistopia. Hashtag cistopia. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's like the most poly show talked about. Right? Um, but, but I think that line is so important because yeah. all the other lines before that are like, oh, like, monster rats are dangerous we can't let them be around our kids mm-hmm. but at the same time their own society is murdering children children <laughs> yes. and their own society is the one that is like projecting their own fear both of the outside world but their own fear onto the children they're not they're like to position themselves as the society of love and of bonobos but really their they're society not. entirely ruled by fear and, and also, if it's so easy for them to call themselves as if they're livestock, as if mm. they're, like, some herd that needs to have the genetics protected, and you're like, get rid of the weak, like, they even refer to, um, Tomiko even refers to uh, uh, Mamoru as a weak link, it's yeah. like, yeah. in that case, you're like, okay, you're othering your own people. Yeah, exactly. Like, never mind this, like, class of humans you see as sub, like, human. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, how far, how far are you going to go in this society? If you keep doing this, there's just going to be another thing. There's going to be, no matter how minor the detail, like we talked about, you always have to look for the weak link in the society. Whatever weak link that it is, like, you have to just immediately nip it in the butt immediately. And it's almost like, how, how far could this go? Like, say this whole revolution none of it ever happened and they just kept going and going I, it reminds me of a snowball where i'm wondering if if just the society kept continuing with i mean not completely separate from all the like rising up from the monster rats because there has to be some sort of stag- like not stagnant but some sort of force coming at them from another where area power, where there's, there's power that they need friction. to yeah and there's fear that if you had just left it alone, it's like, how minor would things be? Like, one of them, because they cheated in a school game, right. got, mm-hmm. got, you know, mm. they sick the, you know, trickster cats on him. And it's almost like, yeah, you're, you know, you're supposed to be protecting your community, but you are also, com- you're completely, uh, you're destroying your own community by doing so. And so I wonder how far it could have gone to, like, how minor the detail could have been. Like, if it kept snowballing and snowballing, it could have been, oh, you fucking had butter on your toast this morning instead of this? I guess you fucking are gonna get dead. Sorry. Like, you know what I mean? You're gonna get dead. (laughs) But it seems like if you kept going, it would just be the snowball of, no matter how just minute the detail was of whatever wrongdoing it would be a wrongdoing and then you're out and you're cut that's kind of why i like the small details that are shown in the show right but like because at the end you have satoru like playing with the impure cats and like the impure cats are now like a peaceful creature right that he's breeding just so that these creatures are allowed to live like i love that tiny detail that it's like it's not harped upon it's not like looked at with any serious like it's not like you like know what's going on afterwards right but you're like oh like this is this is a this is a shift in the morality of the situation this is a change in what's occurring and 
I find that beautiful. Also, Satoru's bae, and even though I hate him <laughs> because he's a dick, I still love him. But, like, him. he's hot. You still kind of like him, yeah. You, you he's also hot. He develops. Oh, he develops as he a character. He develops he so hard, and, okay, this is something that, I don't know if we're going to need to edit this back to when we were talking about imagination, but I just remembered. I was trying so hard to remember what I had to say about imagination, but I had a repressed memory. Can I get but, Hello, I twitch. Um, also, the imagination that Saki has to restore their powers like, yeah, I know. This like I can. She's the best. She's the best, and she just is like, I have a fire here. I'm just gonna do it, and like we can imagine it, and I can, and I, and she does it, and she follows through with the entire ritual and restores his powers. And it's also funny because you know, I guess this is branching off of Satoru's like character development. You know, they both. I mean, later Satoru and Shun, you know, we see their romantic relationship, but <sighs> from, from the beginning, you have Saki you know, really crushing on Shun, and then, you know, you have Satsuru, and so we're even put, when they get separated at summer camp, we talked about who you can trust, mm-hmm. and there was a point where I was like, oh, man, she's with Satsuru, like, how, how, how is, this is gonna how turn... is he gonna fuck her over, right. because they've always had that clash, they've always had that kind of back and forth, which later, when they've been with each other so long, you're like, it's so cute, they just bicker, because... Mm you know there's love because there's love there mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and then they give you that window in the fucking strangely sexy scene that yeah. makes me feel bad and weird about myself because they're 12 years but old but they're like giving each other hickeys and it's like psychic you know. blowjobs yes yeah, psychic, psychic blowjobs <laughs> <laughs> like I do I do really think that Saki truly loves and loved all three of them oh, like yeah. I, completely I do, oh like and Maria too yeah it's zero doubt in my mind it's yeah. a, it is more of a poly thing than exactly. like I, I like this person and now I'm over this them person. than this no. person I'm over them like yeah. I think it's like a very and it's funny because their own society tries to frame it that way like like when they get rid of Shun or when Shun you know breaks up a Satsuru and then he like you know gets with someone else and it's like okay it's fine like I'm over that and it's this but no like there's there's complete love there and like the, the letter that Maria leaves her I know, that's it's so, so beautiful, beautiful. it's literally an episode long it's an episode <laughs> long the letter is an episode long it is an epic love letter and it's beautiful <laughs> and when, get you also, a girl like that. get you a girl who writes you an episode long letter yes, <laughs> like, get you a girl that can do that for you oh, it's fucking gorgeous and then we have that lovely, my personal, what I like to call it was a, a soap opera moment when like, as after the weird limbo scene with Shun and mm-hmm. Saki is like fading away and he's like, I know. But it's oh, really yeah. Wait, it's what they Actually, actually yeah, he yeah, always yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and he because he said I don't want to hurt anyone else that I love, and then yeah. like that's like the moment of. But mm. I, I, one of my favorite things about that scene is like right at the end, like where he like uses his like telekinesis or whatever. He like throws her, like go yeah. get away, and she's flying through the air, and it's like slow motion. And her, Such a beautiful her scene. Her hair clip mm. comes oh, out, yeah. and there's this moment where. She's like, I give up, everything's horrible. And then she's like, No, I have to live. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to when um when uh Aki, who's Marie and Mamoru's son mm-hmm. or daughter, uh, is is like terrorizing the town or whatever, um, the same thing happens where Satoru throws her. Yeah. And same deal, she's flying through the air and she's like, I could just give up right now. And Liminality. Then she's like, no, I have to live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the the end credits because the cool thing about this anime is it doesn't have an intro. There's never an it intro. It just starts. Yeah. Except 
for episode <laughs> 16, which is, I think, the letter to Saki, where oh, you get this like yeah, musical yeah, yeah, yeah. love yes, entry between Maria true. and Saki. Oh, yes. Only episode so that good. has an intro. Yeah. That's awesome. But the, the, the outro of mm-hmm. the first half of, yeah. the, of the show, um, which is such a jam... Um, Such a jam. In that, she's falling, mm-hmm. falling back, hair clip falls out after there's, mm. like, the shadows of all of these people from her life. And, like, that's, I think that's something I would just appreciate is just the repetition of the memories and, and, and all of that. Yeah. But her constant, like, pursuit to, like, I need to live, I need to keep going. And then at the very end, like, right when Satru throws... The weird scorpion pendant or whatever right. it is that they right. find. It's like, this is gonna defeat the This is anthrax. Yes. <laughs> Basically, like, yeah. She, like, you're like, oh, it's a bomb? No, it's a powder. It's there's, a powder. Yeah. yeah, and there's, but there's the opposite of that where she's like, I, he's too close to the flame. Like, if he dies, like, I'll be all alone. Like, yeah. I have to keep living, but he has to keep living too. I can't be the only one left. And so you even have that layer of, like, she's gone through that twice where I have to live, I have to live, and then she's like, I can't be the only one that lives. I have to have someone else. And then she well, saves them and stuff. But that's in Maria's letter where mm-hmm. she talks about how they all fight for each other. Yeah. And that's what, although, you know, I have mixed feelings about it because she saves Satoru, but because she saves Satoru, it's Kitamaru who has to die. Exactly. For them to kill yeah, the Yeah, I know. Also, I know. He just is like, all right, I'll do it. And also, we see with his character, yeah. especially toward, when within the last like five or six, five or four episodes, when you're constantly wondering, is he secretly on uh-huh. their side? And they keep throwing it, and he's just not. Like, he is... But then at the same time, he also presents, you know... Yeah, we're on your good side, but for how long? So he even has elements of that too. But then he also mentions, like, you know, please save my mother, like, save our colony, and all this other stuff. Well, he is 100% an opportunist. Yeah. But I think that in the very beginning, when he first runs into them, when they were outside the spiritual zone yeah. where they shouldn't have been, and they're like, oh my God, he's going to tattle on us, he's going to catch us, and he helps them, he saves them. So I think from that point, it's sort of established that they, they kind of were like, ooh, is he a threat? Is he against us? And it's like, no, he's totally on your side. And then even in the end where they're like, oh my God, I don't know about his, like his allegiances, his whatever, there's the moment where Squira and um, Kiramaro at the same time are being interviewed by the ethics committee. Mm. And it's oh, like yeah. a he said, he said kind of thing. And yeah. you're like, oh, what the hell's going on? But you, you do have like the, the old way of thinking versus like a new way of thinking. Well, and I think... Um, you know, one of the scenes that really stood out to me was like the third episode where they're all asking questions of the Nino Shiro. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, Shun asks the question of how is our society formed? Which becomes literally and that doesn't even get answered until the very end of the series. And you don't realize how important it is until you get there. Um but at one point further along they're caught by the monk. Um, he takes away their powers. He starts taking down uh, some of the monster rats. And Satoru, the balloon and Satoru is like, this is awesome. And Saki is like, no, you know, shows that empathy. Yeah. But Satoru asks the question like, well, then who, you know, he's like, he's killing our enemies. And Saki's like, is I he? I don't know who our enemies and, are. <laughs> yeah, I forget the exact line, but Saturno asks probably, like, another important setup of, like, well, then who is our enemy? Or you see the confusion mm-hmm. in their eyes. 
because they face their own village that's killing off, you know, children. Um, and, and there are times where you're like, well, they're distrustful of their village. But because they're distrustful of their own village, they're like, well, the monster rats can kill us, can't they? And that's what starts systemically. They're beginning to realize how, how their society is structured. And I love, I mean, I, I actually think Hiramaru is way less of an opportunist than Squilla. I think he is a very loyal person. I think he could have been punished for helping them, and he did it anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think he saw honor in that because Satoru literally saved his life. So I think think they really did develop that relationship Mm -hmm. with him. But at the same time, he has this character that's supposedly stuck in his old ways. But he was like, yeah, I wanted to take humanity's place. It just so happens that I didn't, you know, I fought with Scalilla. Like, I didn't want to be under him yeah you know and i didn't want to take down our queen but he still was like no i mean for we've seen colonies get take out for no reason yeah. you know and he's because they're able to see the humanity in kitamato he's telling them what it's really like yeah. but at the same time i think the the ending of the series is almost somewhat frustrating because it's like, yeah, I know Saki's doing some changes, but it almost feels like this reformist belief. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is very reformist. still aren't giving right. up their place. <laughs> They'll never give up their place, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, there must be rebellion or, or, you know, real thought or organizing to change that. That's like, um, uh, for, like from a position of power, are you just managing mm-hmm. colonies or are you trying to help them prosper you like defending them and like like oh they're saying they need this we need to give it to them versus like like just being like oh like come talk to us when you're gonna fight another colony yeah they we'll didn't like they that just bureaucracy managed, was they, they managed their Shut fighting and it, it was you know it's like the the sort of the technocratic state and austerity of mm-hmm. just like oh you guys handle it and then we'll manage the bad ones as things happen mm-hmm. and let you guys fight it out but it, it you know that's yeah, that's messed up. But to bring up Tamiko um, a little bit, and you know Maria and Mamoru's child, mm. do you think you know that Tamiko and and that village were justified at all in what their actions were once you saw mm. what an ogre can do? I understand their fear, and I understand their feeling like they need to do whatever they can to take control, but I don't necessarily think that was the best option. Mm-hmm. When it comes to imagination, I think that, quote-unquote, the humans or the gods, as they are called by the monsterettes, are frankly unimaginative in the ways that they could use their power to sort out the supposed messiah. Their fear is, I think, honestly, what prevents them from acting out because they see Aki as an ogre but we know that she's not an ogre she's just a human that's been raised to think that she's a monster rat right and so she's just using her powers in a way that is quote-unquote animalistic but that's all she's doing right so like what's to say like why couldn't they cage her you know why couldn't they do to her what they had already done to monster rats it's because of that ingrained fear of the fact that she was something other that she was something more than either 
human or monster rat. Well, and it's, it's kind of funny because if anything, it shows the closeness of monster rats and humans because mm-hmm. it's like if a human can be raised as a monster rat to see themselves as a monster rat to then kill humans without the death of shame, mm-hmm. just the same that humans can kill monster rats without the death of shame. So exactly. if anything, it just so shows you how close they are to each other. She, yeah, I think she represents a character that totally flips on the head, the us versus them, and mm-hmm. the other being scenario. She's looking past what is physical um, and is actually able to go and take down humans even after, like, that mirror trick that happened. Right. Um, because it, it doesn't Her hurt. alliance went so much deeper than that um, than simply what her appearance was. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was a really great touch to the show. And I also, I mean, to that point of what I brought up of whether we sympathized with Tamiko and those other characters, I think when you see the horror of the ogre, you understand why Shun was like, no, we should kill Maria and Mamoru. You yeah. Know? Because they knew the danger that would unfold and the destruction of that. But at the same time, I mean, it... Th- it was their decision to run away, but they were forced out by the village. Yeah. And it was also... Because if they stayed in the village, shit wouldn't happen like that. Yeah, but they would have they would have died. And it was the village choice to recklessly try and go after Mamoru well, anyway I, and turn him into an enemy. There's, like, there's a throwaway line that happens in, like, episode, like, three or four, I think. And it's, like, it's during, like... Older Saki narrating the past mm-hmm. as we're watching Which it, right? I love that voice actress. Fantastic. Oh my, oh my god, such a gorgeous voice. And she's like, in in retrospect or in foreshadow I think mm-hmm. like it's worded very interestingly. She's like in foreshadowing, even though she's speaking from the future as we're viewing the past which is already in the future, right? <laughs> yeah. she, like, this entire show feels like some Tetsuya Nomura, like, beautiful yeah. brain warp. I love it. Um, she's, like, in in hindsight or in foreshadowing, like, it would have been better if Maria had never been born at all, right? Mm. Because then we would have mm-hmm. never come to this situation. But that's, Which is, like, it takes two to tango. Why are you right, putting it exactly, on Maria? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, like why are you putting it on Maria? Okay. Yeah. But then it's also interesting because if that's her speaking from the future, this almost, like, optimistic mm. plot line that we have at the end is kind of shattered because you already see the self-doubt. Again, is this intrinsic to humanity or not? playing out as she's speaking to us from the future mm. right like i do think saki is a character even when after everything they went through and squilla's on trial which mm-hmm. his trial was honestly Ugh. one of my favorite episodes yeah. Dude. um because that's that's when he shouts shouts out to his oppressors his fucking humanity yeah um no and it's a really powerful yeah, thing. So they bad. laugh at him heartbreaking Dude, it's terrible yeah. but but saki can't watch it and mm-hmm. i do think she's a character that holds a lot of complications yeah. and is held up yeah you know, she leaves for her intelligence yeah. yeah and i think that that is a characteristic i definitely am inspired by um and I did kind of want to bring out what, you know, as a question to the group, I have, you know, two kind of final questions, but one is what, what theme or what scene stood out to you the most from the show we haven't covered yet? Um, I think, uh, I'll, I'll take the theme one for 800. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> so something that uh, I've been kind of hearing throughout this conversation is uh, language around um, kind of like a, a, about fighting and sacrifice and people who are fighting for their friends or fighting for their loved ones and then like the mon- like the the monster rats that uh, you know if we win their sacrifice won't be in vain and like these sacrifices but like I think just a theme that kind of was in my head during the show but like really like was I've, I've been seeing it in this conversation is like uh, valuing sacrifice and just in general and like like just uh the different angles and like layers you can kind of like pull that apart of like who is sacrificing for what are they sacrificing other people like which like what sacrifices are noble and like it like in whose storyline is this a good sacrifice and like in whose storyline is this going against what they need and like uh yeah i think that that, that's definitely what stood out to me was just like the the different uh ways that you can kind of enter into the conversation about valuing someone's sacrifice i i'll take both uh (laughs) one i think the the first one that i wrote under my notes for themes was oppression and i guess with that who the villain is which we've already covered all of that but that's the main thing that stuck out to me is because i guess back to the beginning question of like what was your first impression of this anime this is not what i would have thought i would have been talking about um But it's the one that when I'm left, after watching it, what I'm left with and what I think about is there is so much going on and so much that each, like, both were fighting for. But if anything, I'm not necessarily on the side of, you know, the quote, real, quote, real humans of this show. It's mainly our main characters that have been put through that society because in a way, like I said earlier, they are oppressed in their own way from their community. Um, But if anything, I have a real, I, I, I have a real, I guess, sided view with the monster rats because they've been able to at least try and try very hard, you know, to rise up against the oppression and have that sort of revolution. Um, And I guess with that, the scene, one of the scenes that stood out to me the most is when he's laughed at for saying we're human. And even though, and I'll say it, like, even though watching it, yeah, there are times where I, like, think he's sneaky and Mm. being a bitch and I don't like him. (laughs) Oh, untrustworthy. Completely untrustworthy. Honestly, why I love him. Untrustworthy, wavering in loyalty till the very end. Like, he is a sneaky, something up his sleeve character and with a sort of, not pop, sort of pious like oh i'm i am completely dumb and you are the god i'm just a lowly monster rat like (laughs) kind of vibe like no i don't like him i don't like Mm -hmm. him but i understand what he was fighting for Mm. and the scene where he is in chains and he's standing there in the podium up against everyone else and he's trying to say like you know because we're human and they all just laugh and then he's sentenced to just complete torture until the end of his life is it definitely sticks out to me there's a bunch of others that do Mm -hmm. this is just the main one i think that i'm left with 
you know? I kind of want to be mad at Saki for, like, letting his, like, like, not even him, right? But, like, his cerebral cortex, like, suffer until the end of time, like, up until, like, ten years later after his trial. Like, I'm kind of mad at her for doing that. I'm happy that she, like, finally was like, oh, we should maybe cut this shit out. But, like... I'm also just, like, not shocked because, you know, these people have been conditioned into... And there's a museum, right? Um, It's okay if we steal artifacts. It's in a museum. It's in a museum, okay? (laughs) It's history. We gotta protect it. It's it's art. It's art. art. We stole it, and it's art. (laughs) We stole it from somebody else who had stolen it. Um, (laughs) I think... Sorry. (laughs) Um... I think one of my favorite episodes, which also relates to a theme that stuck with me, is episode 10, which is the episode in which um, Saki finds Shun in the fucking, mm. like, tripped-out shit. Trippy as shit. I literally had to rewatch that episode. Like, not even that episode, just that, like, what, 10-minute mi- ten segment where he's explaining basically like he's like he's dying like his imagination's running like it's it's basically allegory for cancer right like his body's fighting against himself he's spinning out of control there's like shit happening around him that he can't even control also shout out to Subaru I was just gonna say that thank you so much it's so beautiful the best boy the best boy ever like you wanna talk about a big boy Subaru and his name is fucking Subaru which is the cutest thing I've ever heard in my entire fucking life and goes and like like it just I think there's a lot that gets revealed in there and there's a lot that gets discussed that isn't even like it again it's like it's all of the stuff that's happening on in the background which is adding to you not only as a viewer but then also your understanding of these characters like there is mass paranoia happening on such a like deep level and it's so ingrained and like seeped into the society and the people of this world where like they're acting in ways and that seem like, like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you treating other people this way? Why are you treating mutant rats this way? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just like a lot in w- which shoots is like spouting this, like very like heavy philosophical monologue of what it means to be a person, what it means to be, you know, a person in this specific society Shun already, like, kind of understood mm. what was going on in a lot of ways. Weirdly older than his age. Yeah. Weirdly yeah. older than his age, right? Yeah. And I think that, like, that kind of comes, like, you know, it, I kind of think it feeds into this, like, nothing comes without sacrifice, like, you can't be divine without being cruel, like, in a lot of ways, right? Um, there is a lot of interesting stuff that I think happens, and I think it's interesting that that episode is at exactly like almost exactly the middle point of the show mm-hmm. um because even though it's not necessarily a turning point for the rest of the characters or a turning point for society right like they basically completely forget about shun mm-hmm. and like saki even though she gets like flung through the air has this whole like liminal like out of body experience <laughs> forgets about it completely and to the grave site with flowers yeah like... right like whatever um I think it I think it's a really important scene that like even to this day like I'm still like I I've now watched the show twice over within a two week period and I'm still trying to even though there's so much in the show that I'm still thinking about 
there's a lot that gets discussed in his monologue during that Mm. episode that I'm still finding relevant not only to our world, but to their world as well. Well, Shun definitely is the person that really brings out, explains what their power is, Mm -hmm. um, which comes at the very end, um, and also has to do with imagination. And it that's the major connection in that episode mm-hmm. um and then i also think it's really saying of how like, like the theme of you could call an allegory as well to historical erasure yeah and how our society needed to erase their own history in order to put on this facade of peace and their society also had to you know like separate people from the library as well because we have different tools to understand where we came from be it uh ritual be it memory be it books be it libraries be it art um and it really you know the show really shows how much power influences what is seen what people remember what is taught um and Shun really sees past all of that because he's really tapping into some yeah, collective unconscious exactly. stuff. Um, so I, and I, I think that really sort of stood out to me as a theme. I didn't get to talk about that much. It's just simply like how memory played. And I think it did yeah. such a great job at tricking the viewer and confusing the viewer in so many moments as well. Um, yeah, and like the uh, talk about history and stuff, like um, wh- I guess like... <laughs> One thing that this is all making me think of is, like, between the work that the history is doing and what happens to Shun, um, like, with his, like, affliction or whatever is going on, um, it's, like, uh, like, the the, the reality of nature is excess. And, like, there is no true, like, balance in an ecosystem. It's always the managing of excess. Like, so there's always, like, a complication. There's always contradiction. There's always spillover in different directions. Lantern flies, so Lant- much excess. So, so many flies. Um, <laughs> but, like, in, in, like, and so to some extent, like, the way that their society continues is the managing of the excess of the psychic power mm-hmm. or the excess of want. If anyone exceeds their want, or like you know, when the kid cheats in the game, like mm-hmm. he's gone mm-hmm. because he that, that's excess. Like they, it's this managing of like this containment, um, which is a con- it's a, it's its own contradiction. But mm-hmm. history is another attempt at managing the excess of reality, mm. because and and like it's like using the leverage of power to be able to say all this stuff happened, but really what was important is this happened. And because, like, this is what it led to for our society, this is what was important. And, like, it just, and in that, it, the, the erasure is, like, how, ex, like, um, I, I guess it's kind of like uh, whoever has the power to tell the narrative, like, how, uh, it, like, it's connected to their lens and how they view, like, what is excess and, like, what is, and, like, something that can be cut away without taking something away from like the core of what they're trying to do yeah um i think that i i had like three quick points about just like you know if as we're closing i just wanted to like tap on and one of them actually was like the magic of the subconscious and i think that i just think about like I, i keep a dream journal and um 
I also uh, take like a lion's mane uh, supplement to help with memory and a ginkgo leaf as well. And one side effect from that is I get, I have better memory of my dreams. And when I wake up every morning, I try to record those dreams and like, just imagining if my subconscious had effect on the world outside. That's mm-hmm. it's fucked. Like, that is <laughs> fucked. Like, I can't even imagine the world that would exist if my subconscious had an effect Started on the outside. Started to bleed through. It would, it would be a nightmare. Um, so that's just an interesting <laughs> thing to experience in general. Um, I think it does, though. <laughs> I mean, I it may be in the way I act, but not just in the <laughs> fact that it exists. Um, I think I think I still have to, um, you know, uh, make moves on the world for anything to happen. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it does have effects. I more and more I'm like questioning reality as I'm like, damn, these dreams seem pretty realistic. But uh, the other two things I really loved about this show is one that this is like I love me some dystopian fantasies but what I really liked about this show is that it was like a dystopian future that isn't specifically a wasteland or tech oriented it's beautiful and I feel like most dystopian shows are placed in one mm-hmm. or the other and this is like oh no it's just like a nice little Japanese village that's like it's got like I don't know, these these rice patties and these waterways. It's kind of what makes mountains. it so eerie, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. so utopic. Yeah. It's quaint. Yeah, it's, it's like, very quaint. Yeah. So that, I really appreciate a dystopia set in that regard. Um, and then the last thing is just, I don't know, the music and the sound in the show and mm. how... Um, I think there were a couple of times where I almost feel like some of the themes got overplayed. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, hey, you could have had some more variety, maybe a couple of more themes. Like, it's like, okay, I've heard this song a bajillion times at this point. <laughs> but that being said, I think all of the themes and all of the songs were really good. And it mm. really struck a chord. And, like, I can hear them clearly. Like, and, 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 um, both this the music used in the show and as the outros were just really good and yeah i'm no you i think you or maybe someone else texted this into the group chat that was like the sounds like there's this one sound that plays in the background that evokes a lot of emotion and a lot of of just reaction to the scene that you're watching and same thing with not just that sound but just the music that they use it you know i mean this is true with any you know film or a television show that you're going to, going to watch the music is there for a reason it's there to bring that emotion out in you but there is one scene i guess i can tie this also into the i know i already did mine but the scene that stood out to me is there's that one scene when everything's going down the ogre's attacking and then mm. what's that character's name i wish i knew it at this moment but he goes back to the village to you know, use the the sound system basically to broadcast, and oh, after like right. there's an emergency, mm-hmm. and then he starts playing. He did the come song. in late, didn't he? Play- he? Yeah. And Wait, he plays that, that was... beautiful song. Wait, and the best part about that is it's like it was a um like a water mill, mm-hmm. and so the way that he the water was too low, so he was using his power to make the wheel turn Mm -hmm. and that was like you kind of when the announcement stopped you knew he had died Died. because it's like it wasn't the water making the electricity it was was him him. yeah that was that was a good beautiful and i just loved how he played that song like it was just such a Mm. uh, it was gorgeous 
Are there any other takeaways or last thoughts before we draw? Life is poo-poo until you do-do. <laughs> Honestly, life is poo-poo until, until you do-do. That's, 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 that that's, 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 that's a theme thought. that I'll be taking away that's from this. That's my final thought. <laughs> that, that was her major thought. Um, yeah. But all in all, it is a beautiful, wonderful anime that if you haven't yeah. watched yet, totally watch it. And yeah, it's kind of a last point, I think. I uh, mm-hmm. Wait, one more point. Um incredibly fucking underrated so i yeah. i i follow anime twitters anime blogs i um and follow websites i am i'm you know i'm not like in it in it in it but i'm in some discords i'm in, like a patreon to a couple of like I, i'm in it and i i, I just n- never see slash haven't seen much about this show like i feel like it's a sleeper i feel like people don't realize how good it is people write it off also some of the cover art for the manga and some of the dvds Mm. really weird and trashy looking compared to the actual show i don't know if that's a turn off but Mm. i i i just think a lot of people really fucking slept on this also the other show just for um Reference the other show that A1 was working on at the same time as this was Sword Art Online, which mm-hmm. I started out watching that show. It has a lot of problems. I started out okay. The first like eight episodes of that <laughs> show, I was I was I was so into it in the beginning. I was like texting my friends. I was like, y'all, this show's so good. I love it. This is so good. And then like I don't know, it hit a point where I was I texted them and I was like. Never mind, I take it back, don't wash it. And it's like this sort of thing where Sword Art Online had this super high production value and you can kind of tell that Shinsekayori mm. didn't have a very high production value. Though I think the art was done really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I think it worked really well for the story. And honestly, if it was really glitzy animation, I think it wouldn't have played out well with the story and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just want to say that Anyone who's still watching Sword Art Online, I'm also still watching it, but I hate myself for it. <laughs> and and I think that this show should have been the one talked about that yeah. season. Um, and as um, we're kind of abiding uh, time while everyone adds their um, next recommended Heck. shows to the bucket. Also, <laughs> A1 as a studio has a lot of work out there not only in anime they've done illustration like they've done they've assisted in manga they've assisted in video games their like repertoire goes from everything from Sword Art Online to Shinsekai Yuri to Black Butler they have a couple OVAs out there definitely as a studio worth checking out because they have some really great like big name and small name stuff on their roster yeah, no, I definitely agree. I feel like people slept on this anime, um, but it is, like, in my top five. MK is shaking up the can. I'm sorry, I'm mixing it up. I'm making sure. God, but... I'm so tempted. I just want to No, <laughs> Hannah gets to pull. I'm just mixing it up. Mm. And... Can I, quote, mix it up next time? It's so... Get in there. Okay. Get in there. Move it around. We can all mix it up. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I just got to touch it. I feel like episode four. Or whatever, whatever episode it was when they're freaking giving each other hickeys or whatever. I just I can't get over the psychic blowjobs, okay? I'm <laughs> the jealous. scene that most stood out. Jealous. jealous, honestly, I'm not even triggered. I'm jealous. Honestly, we're all gonna feel like Saki because that was 
some serious jealousy from the viewer. Yeah, point. she had to watch some tongue on tongue. Yeah, action. and I was like, like yeah, was like, yeah. right? Like I was like, okay. <laughs> There were some anteaters in that <laughs> studio that night. Like, what? Uh. All right, Hannah. All let's right. do the straw. As I do, do draw, the draw. Just to give a proper closing to Shinsekai Yori. As we all hope they shift from a society of fear to a society of love, love. and peace. I think that we can all do that Blurp. and have the responsibility and power with yeah. our own lives. Yeah, take that imagination, run wild with it, don't run too wild. Well, qu- question what you've been taught. But question. Question um, the assumptions in your life, the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Be more empathetic. I think that's all good takeaways from yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. And Be more empathetic, be kind. Yeah. Love Save a monster rat. Fight the power. Yeah. Also fight yeah. the power. Fight yeah. the yeah. fucking power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking rebel. Speak truth to power. Hello. Always. Yeah. We're trying to build that power if you're going to speak truth. Alright, we're getting here again. I dare it. I get so nervous when this thing happens. Oh my god, you're really milking it, Hannah. You're gonna pick another Shinsekayori. Yeah, right. Because there's multiple in there. Oh my god, what's happening? Psychopaths. Yes! <laughs> I take it loose put that in there. Oh my god. Okay. So I had originally said that because it was so similar to um, to Terran Resonance that if we had pulled it, mm. I don't know how the group's feeling. If there has been enough distance from Terran Resonance I'm down to do it it's really fucking good it's also another anime about psychic powers I've never watched it it's two months apart in the world of in in their world you're right so it's worth it I see let's do it yeah there's also so there is also an OVA let's just focus on the anime and then maybe if we want to expand upon it if we really love it we could then watch the OVA so OV over it yeah Josh is OV over it Uh, great anyways I'm I'm really excited excited. I'm really really excited I love this show thank you I haven't watched it yet thank you I'm glad to watch when I have oh also actually just so everyone knows I mean this doesn't necessarily need to be recorded um trigger warning on the first episode there is a intense rape scene that happens Uh, on the first episode and then nothing it's a very it's a very great way to get people into it yeah it's a very it's like a very psychologically intense show Uh but nothing like as a violent as physically extremely violent that happens happens as what happens in the first episode yeah just I just want all of you to know thank you in case you want to kind of like skip into episode two, you will pick up on the story. So it's gotcha. like berserk in reverse. Kind of, yeah. Oh, no, never, never that. Square intense. did nothing wrong. Square did nothing wrong. Flip this table. Yay! <laughs> well, uh, thank you, dear listeners. Um, we had fun. Yeah. We love you. Until fun. next time. Uh, baby's out. <laughs> oh God.